Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Well, welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I have a couple of special guests with us today, Barry and Catherine Cohen. Barry and Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. you. Let me give you a brief background on them, and then they will expand upon that, and we'll get into the conversation. Uh, Barry and Catherine have been entrepreneurs both together and separately since the last millennium. That sounds like a long time ago, and it is. Most recently in 2003, they created, grew, and then sold in 2013 a very successful barter exchange business, and I'm excited to get into that because I know very little about that type of business. In 2009, they launched a barter exchange management software business, and we'll chat about that. And then last year, they launched their podcast called Together 24-7, great podcast. And that is their prequel, as they say, to their new business, Fifth Tower Solutions. Uh, Fifth Tower Solutions works with business owners to help them create a map and build the vehicle to get them to the next level. They offer podcast training, mentoring, brainstorming, and other services for entrepreneurs. So once again, Barry and Catherine, married couple, I should add, welcome to the show. And please add uh, what I've missed there. Certainly, I've missed a lot on your background, but uh, tell me more about yourselves and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Um, let's see. I was born in Queensland. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you pretty much got it. We, uh, we got into podcasting last year, uh, as, as you said, as a prequel, but as a means to an end. We've been working with couples and coaching couples uh, since pretty much 2009 because of the nature of the barter exchange management software that we developed and the barter exchange industry in general. But uh, Barry and I really enjoy uh, working together shortly after we were married, which will be 20 years in less than two months. Oi. 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 Okay. No way. Okay, that that ship. If I push you over, nobody finds you. I'm just saying. Um, That's right. <laughs> if all of a sudden it just becomes one guest, we understand. Exactly. Um, no, but it, it, seriously, we've you know we both worked from home for a while uh, before we started our company, and so we just enjoy it. Excellent. And so before uh, these business ventures, what did you guys do for a living? Well, I've been in the computer industry pretty much since birth. Uh, wow! <laughs> uh, I actually, and that was 1991. Yes, yes 1991. Yeah, we'll we'll stick with that one. Sure. Uh, no, since actually 1984 is when I got into the computer industry professionally. Uh, I've been fixing computers for that long. Uh, it's one of those things that I've always loved to do, and I continue to do it even when I didn't have a computer repair business or work for a company that did that. That's what I still do and love to do. Very interesting. So, and you all live in the Phoenix area, is my understanding, right? As we like to call it, Hades. Yeah, this time (laughs) of year. I can imagine, but uh, that's one of the areas that I am considering possibly moving to. We're in the Dallas area, and 
our daughter's going off to college. He's our only one. So we're moving into that next chapter of our lives about uh, downsizing and perhaps moving somewhere else, but we shall see. Uh, but love that area. I've spent a lot of time there over the years. So I'd like to start where we typically start with folks like yourself is in that transition from working for someone else to being your own boss. I love uh, something you wrote in your email to me, Catherine, quote, there is no way in hell you're going back and working for someone. And I love that because it's exactly how I feel. So let's go back though, before you got there, what led to, and was the desire always there to be your own boss or did it come to you later? I think for both of us, I can speak for both of us, we both had a desire to be our own boss for myself. I had actually always wanted to go into retail. That's what my parents did. That's what I wanted to do. And then as I got older and I went to school and, you know, saw everything that was involved in that, I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I certainly didn't want to work in retail. And for me, uh, my father is a CPA, private practice. He always has been. So I've always seen him working for himself, not for somebody else, basically making his own hours, which I mean, in his case was five in the morning till who knows the time mm -hmm. of night, but you know, that's his work ethic and, and God bless him for it. He still does it. But even when I was working for other companies, I still always had a side business going. And I just felt that a side business would get me someplace outside of having to work for. So I just hated answering to people. And for me, I, I finally went off to work for myself after I had been in the advertising industry since college. And when we moved out here. That was 1970. No, no sorry. Seriously. <laughs> Not that old. So I'd been in the advertising industry since college, loved it, um, loved the industry, started in the fashion industry in New York. A great time, but a crazy time. And when I came out here, I really started to pursue more my interest in holistic healing and health and all these things. Went to massage school. And, you know, from there, I, I started my own practice. And when I had enough clients, it, it just turned out that my company was closing I had enough clients and I didn't look back ever since. I spent 10 years doing that and then uh, developed some stuff with Barry. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, so obviously, as you've alluded to, your parents had an influence because they, in both cases, they either owned the business or had their own practice. But did you still get, though, as you were growing up, the whole adage of go go to college, get a degree, get a good job? Or what, what was the guidance you all got at home? Oh, absolutely. College it was, was never even a question. In fact, I took a year off between high school and college, and that nearly killed my parents. And then the school I decided to go to uh, wasn't a real college. It was actually, back then it was DeVry Technical Institute. Now sure, you know yeah. all over the place is DeVry University. It wasn't mm -hmm. a university, it was strictly electronics. Uh, and it wasn't a degree, you got a certificate. And that had my parents a little worried also, well, he's not gonna have a degree, what's gonna happen? Well, mm -hmm. I think I turned out okay. Yeah. Yeah. I similarly went to a vocational school as well. And how about for you, Catherine? Obviously, you're, you're, I think your parents owned a uh, clothing shop. Is that correct? A shoe store. A sh oh, shoe store. Shoe store. Okay, clothing. Yeah. So, part of the clothing. So for, what did they want for you? Did they want you to go get a good job or did they support you perhaps being an entrepreneur? What, was the, what were the influences there? What they told you? Obviously not what they modeled for you, but what they told you. You know, it was, it was go to college and I'm actually the first of my siblings to complete a college degree and, and to complete college. Um, my sister wanted to go to vocational school. She did. She had a great job. Um, my other sister did the same. She did a little bit of college. 
Uh, my brother got kicked out of college uh, for <laughs> playing cards and gambling. Uh, so my parents rewarded with him with his own store, not bitter much. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for me, it was go to college and get a job, certainly in the industry that I wanted to be in, which was the fashion industry, which I did, and learn a little bit. And later on, you can, you know, go off on your own. Although I have to admit that, you know, in later years, it, it, my mother was still, you know, well, you work for yourself, but don't you think you could get a, another job working for somebody else? I'm like, why? The rest of your kids, you know, two out of the other three, you know, are working in the store. Why shouldn't I? Because you're working from home, darling. So it's not really work. <laughs> that's right, right. That's right. But, yeah. you know, it, she, my, my, my dad passed when I was younger. My mom was a huge influence on me. And I think in later years, she realized like what an influence uh, she was and, I don't think she would have it any other way for me either. Yeah, great. I, I dive into that because that's such a challenge for a lot of folks that I talk to. A lot of our listeners are people who are looking to, hoping to, aspiring to make that transition. And we all know for various reasons, because I've gone through that transition, how hard that is. And so that's why I, I dive into this. So furthermore, you were working for someone else at some point. What finally clicked that said, all right, I need to go on and do my own thing. What what finally happened for each of you? I got fired. My company was closing down, and I had made the decision before that to go off on my own, as I said, uh, to become a massage therapist and and do some uh, alternate alternative healing work. And it just, you know, I couldn't stand it. I, I I just didn't like working my butt off and watching other people advance over me. Um, you know, or 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 watching somebody whine to get a raise when it was undeserving or, you know, all these little things, even though they were small companies or my last company out here was a smaller company. It, it there was no fairness to me. Things have got to be fair and equitable and truthful. And there, and none of the above exists in corporate America. Yeah. No, that's, that resonates so much with myself and our listeners and, and with Barry as well. I've been fired a couple of times back when I used to work for someone else. But I think those those are such great stories to share because people listen to that and say, yeah, that's that's where I'm at or I'm getting close to that. But that that's such an issue for us is that control, that that our being in control of our own destiny where it's up to us as to how far we go or don't go. And I think that's part of what you're talking about there. Uh, so was the first business, I think you went into the computer business, Barry, but what was the first business you all started together? Was that the barter exchange business? Yeah, that was the barter exchange. And, and that was basically an evolution of my computer business, Catherine's massage therapy business, because we became members of a barter exchange. And it, the way it was just the nutshell version. So you ha at least your listeners have a little idea what it's all about. Uh, it's a membership organization where businesses trade with each other, but instead of using dollars, we use barter credits, which you call, we call barter dollars. So if Catherine's massage was $65, I would pay her in 65 barter dollars, which she can turn around and spend with anybody else in the group. So that's, that's the nutshell version of a barter exchange. Right. And of course, we've been doing bartering since the beginning of time before we had currency. You then created an exchange. And so tell me about what that did that didn't exist before, whether in the market at large or in the area you were in. Tell me a bit more about what the business actually, the service it provided. Well, what what the the business was started because of the one that we were in. We didn't like the way it was run. And like, like Catherine said about corporate America, there was unfairness happening. And to us, that just doesn't cut it. So 
we were sitting around having lunch with a friend complaining about it. And our friend said, if you think you could do better, why don't you? So we said, okay. Uh, spent some time researching. This was in 2003. We, we launched in 2003. So from about 2002 to 2003, uh, we spent a lot of time researching, a lot of time learning. And even then we didn't, we didn't know how much we didn't know, but we had a lot of contacts in Phoenix and we knew a lot of businesses and we knew some businesses that were in the exchange we were in that were unsatisfied and just other businesses that were struggling. And that's the whole reason to, you know, be part of an exchange for us to have the exchange was to, you know, help businesses get up and running. We, there were a number of businesses that started their company through our barter exchange and, and traded what they had in, in order to, um, in order to get what they needed for, you know, their menus or their packaging or whatever. And, and you get to help a lot of different people in a lot of different things in a lot of different situations. So it's exciting every day, you know, you're, right. you know, you're trying to, you're trying to get one member's kid to camp this summer because I swear to God, if the kid stays home another year, I'm going to hurt somebody <laughs> to, um, you know, to a vacation to, we had a, an entire wedding done on barter. And then there's other things they need. You need your printing done. The carpet's cleaned in your office, it, you know, exterminating, whatever it is, you could help these people out. And it was exciting. It really was a very exciting business to, to be in. We still love the industry. And I'm assuming it was online based. It was both online and offline. Uh, okay. We, we, we got out there. We were, I mean, Catherine for the most part was a sales chick as we like to call her. Uh, she was <laughs> out there knocking on the doors, meeting the people. I did some of it, but the majority of that was Catherine. I mean, it's face to face. It's an industry that you have to explain to people. It's not something that they get right off the bat. So you actually have to have that face-to-face conversation and build the relationships. And, and, you know, that's for pretty much any business. You have to build the relationship. That's unless you're a strictly purely online business, if you don't have some sort of rapport with your clients and your customers, you might as well not even be in business as far as I'm concerned. Uh, So, so yeah, a lot of it was offline getting them going, but the software itself that we use to, to manage everything and people's accounts, that was all online based. And that's uh, we'll get to that moment that you developed that software or did you purchase? We developed it afterwards. First we, we were using somebody else. We actually used two different, software products before we created our own. But again, just like when we started the barter exchange, we found the software didn't do what we liked, didn't do what we needed and was unfairly helping other people. And it was just a weird situation. So we just said, you know what, we need to develop our own. Yeah. So I'm curious as, as the owner of that exchange, how do you monetize it? How do you make money? You actually charge a percentage in cash and barter for each transaction. You may charge a monthly fee. Um, you may charge membership fees. But the the majority of your money comes from a small transaction fee. It's usually 12%, split six and six between the two people in the transaction. So, yeah, there is a, there is a cash portion of a barter exchange. There has to be. Uh, because most things in life don't take cash, but you know, you get some barter, you get some cash. And as the owners, it's great too, because you've got those barter dollars that you're collecting from people and you get to use the barter exchange and you get to conserve the cash that you're, you're making. So it, it, it works. It, it's really a fun, good business to get into. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for explaining that. And so the exchange that then you sold in 2013, yes. did it, was it a, a, a local geographically? Is that how it works? Or that, explain that a little bit more. Well, in other words, the people who were participating, were they mostly local small business owners? Yeah, for, for our business, they were. Uh, mm-hmm. We attempted to open up an office in San Diego, uh, and we found without actually having boots on the ground there and, and having that face-to-face conversation with people, we weren't able to manage it. it. That's not our personality. It's not our style. But there are barter exchanges out there that are national, and they've got offices all over the country. But it, it is geographic in that you know you don't have one person here and one person there. You want to build a, a group in Phoenix. You want to build a group. And we bought a group in San Diego, and, and we built it up a little bit, but it just got to be a bit too much. But the group was San Diego and surrounding areas, because you certainly don't want to be in a barter exchange where you've got to go, you know, 50, 100 miles just to get a haircut so that you don't have to pay for it in cash. That's not worth it. So every exchange, even when they have national offices, every exchange is geographically centered. So we have an office in Chicago and we have an office in Dallas. And, you know, and that's where the the majority of clients are. You don't have little one-off clients here and there for the most part. Fascinating. All right. So in 2013, you sold that exchange. And I'm always curious as to the process when someone sells a business. I've had an opportunity to sell a couple of businesses myself. And so I understand how how difficult and time consuming and every time it's slightly different. So a series of questions for you on that. Did you engage someone to help you sell the business, a broker, or some other assistance? Tell me about that. We did not. We were thinking about it. But for what we were selling the barter exchange for, it was not a ton of money. So, so the, you know, we we were a small barter exchange. So for the fees that the brokers charged for us, it really wasn't worth it. So we decided to do it on our own. So how did you find potential buyers? Well, funny enough, we had a software company that had barter exchanges or people calling us up all the time that wanted barter exchanges. So, so we kind of had a built in customer base right there. We happened to have somebody call us up. They wanted to open up a barter exchange in Phoenix. And as we had the conversation going, we asked if they wanted to purchase one. Excellent. Yeah. So, Perfect. yeah. So it went, it, that's, that's how that one went. Granted, it was a little bit of a misstep. Is that a good word to use, Kat? Yeah. It didn't work because they didn't pay us and we had to repossess the barter exchange and then we sold uh, it again. But, but here's the okay. thing. One of, one of the terms when we sold it and this, and we had this advantage. One of the terms of, us selling it was they had to use our software until it was paid off. Great. So that, that meant you had some control, some visibility to what was going on and a lot easier to then take it back over when you had to. Exactly. It took about three minutes for me to take it back over. Fantastic. Yeah. That, that's great insight. Cause again, that, that happens to a lot of folks when we sell, we sell a very small business. It's, it's possible that they fail. You, so did you take a note on it initially? Yes. Is that was that? Okay. Got it. Uh, so uh, how did you come to determining the sales price, the value of the business? What formula did you use at a high level to calculate the value of the business? I'm always curious as to how people come up with their price. It, it's really interesting because a, a lot of exchanges that are looking to sell will come to us now to ask, you know, what is my exchange worth? And bupkis is usually not the right answer. <laughs> um, bupkis means Yiddish for absolutely nothing. The industry, the barter industry itself has its own formulations. So the rule of thumb is going to be one and a half to two and a half times 
annual income. Income being the cash generating income. You can throw in barter dollars, you can, you know, do other things, but it's the it's the cash generating income. Then you have to say, but. So for example, we've had exchanges start and use our software and never do much of anything. And then they will say, how much is my exchange worth? And I will get permission to look at their numbers. I will look at their numbers and say, your exchange is really worth nothing. If you want to be a good person, you're going to give this to somebody else and maybe take a few barter dollars for it, but you've not done any real revenue. The, the amount that you're paying us for the software is far more, and you're paying us minimum $75 a month, is far more <laughs> than what you have made. So you're worth absolutely nothing. So it's that one and a half to two and a half times, depending on the size of the exchange. At our exchange, we figured at our size and been around for 10 years, we went two times um, the annual income, the cash annual income. And it just so happens that that's, you know, the industry standard. So I think if somebody is selling their business, the first thing that I would do if you're not engaging, if you're not engaging a, a broker or if you don't have a broker, uh, do an estimate, which is usually a couple hundred dollars, that might be worth it. Find out from the industry call your industry association because that's exactly what we did. Yeah. Valuable advice. Thanks for sharing that. And then did you use an attorney at some point to draft the actual contract or did you just do it yourself? What, what, how did you actually get to that point for the agreement that you drafted and signed? Yeah, we, we had an attorney that we used for the actual contract. There's some things I'm not going to leave to my own brain because you, you know, I'm going to leave something out. The lawyers put stuff in there. None of us understand, but we know it protects us. So mm -hmm. we sort of decided to engage in that point. So when it comes to selling a business now, having gone through that experience, it doesn't matter which business, whether it's the software business or the next business that you create, what would you do differently as far as selling the business? What, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about selling their business? Lose the emotional attachment. I think that's really important. If, if you have an emotional attachment to your business, you really don't want to sell it. And you are also going to overvalue it. So just lose the emotional attachment. Think with your brain, not your heart. You want to sell it for a reason, understand those reasons, and put a fair number on it. Yeah, it's great advice. It's like when we sell our home, we get we we emotionally attached to all the work we've done and how pretty it is and what it means to us, but it's a cold business transaction and that's the way you have to look at exactly. it. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing all of that information. That's that's very insightful. Always learning something from others as they go through that process. Now I want to make a right-hand turn here and talk about working together, which is, again, one of the themes of your podcast, Together 24-7. So you are a husband and wife. You've been working together in various businesses now for some time. How does that work? How does it work for you guys? It works very well. You've got to know, and this is what we coach, you got to know your strengths. you got to know your weaknesses. Don't try and put something on the other person that is not their strength. This is not the time for a learning curve. I mean, other than the normal learning curve of being in business and working together, this is, if you're, okay, Barry's not a salesperson. Doesn't like it, doesn't, it, it doesn't intrigue him in any way. I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we put him in customer service. Um, Lock him up. It, it is not the time for me to say, you know what? It would be really good for you to learn how to do sales. No, this is, if he wanted to have that learning curve, he needs to go out, get a job in sales, let somebody else pay for the education. That not only will that hurt the business, that will hurt the relationship because of, 
of unreal expectations on either part of us. Yeah, and it wouldn't be fair for you to now get mad at him because he's not doing his part in sales, right? That's right. That's, that's yeah. So did you did you have a feeling when you first went into business? Did you have reservations that you know it was going to work, or were you not sure? It wasn't even a question. It, it just seemed very natural for us. We remember we're at a distinct advantage with that because that's all we grew up with. That's all we knew. My mother-in-law helped my father-in-law with the business. My parents worked together in their business. My sister and my brother-in-law took over that business. It's all we knew. So it's natural for us. Um, if you don't have a hesitation, you are nuts. If you think going into business with your spouse, significant other, or whatever PC term you want to use, if you don't have a hesitation, you're nuts. And if you do go into business with your spouse, you're nuts. But, <laughs> but what you want to do is, you know, put everything out on the table and then lay the ground rules. It's not being, it's, it's not the marriage, it's the business. And they're two se totally separate things. All right. So, so there was a hesitation then. Well, no, with us, there was with not because it's all we know. Most people aren't in the same boat as us. Right. So what was, what do you think was modeled for you in your parents' businesses that, that stuck with you as to how they did it well? You know, I don't know that there was a specific model because when you're when you just grow up with something, when you're born with it, you don't realize that it's even there. Was it something that they always that you always observed that they did? Like if there was a conflict or an argument, that there was there a certain way they went about resolving it. What, what did you observe, or was it just the entire thing? No, my mother always won. That's <laughs> doesn't matter. That was the key takeaway. <laughs> that was the key takeaway for me. It was, you know, I loved my parents' shorthand. I loved my parents' shorthand. My my dad would look at my mother and she would just know, you know, she I, I don't know how they did it. They would know if this customer, you know, was going to be a pain in the rear end. If, you know, unfortunately, uh, if there was somebody who, you know, had had shoplifted before, um, you know, all kinds of things, they, they would just give each other a look and they would know and then they would move almost like a dance. They would move together and resolve the issue. Now the other, you know, the other thing was, uh, business was, was spoken about at the dinner table. So growing up, I knew all the customers. I knew, you know, everybody I worked in the store, we were all required to work in the store at some point in our lives, most of our lives. And, um, I like that required to work in the, that was free child labor. That was free child That's labor. Right. No, it's so adorable when a little kid comes up to you and says, may I help you? And then people just buy a lot more because you're adorable. But that that to me was the takeaway was was that shorthand and that ability to just look at each other and then have this plan that you just went right into. So I read an article once that really resonated with me about parents who own their businesses and that the next generation wants nothing to do with the business because all that the kids hear at home are the headaches, the problems, the negative side of it. And they never hear the positive side, but it sounds like in your environments, you heard it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, not just the, the issues. And, and that ha I have to suspect had an influence as well. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I didn't go into the retail business. Barry did not become a CPA. So that was the ugly of it. Um, we, we knew what we didn't want. Right. Right. But we knew what we did want, and that was that togetherness. 
that togetherness, the, the freedom that it provided, the flexibility, that control over your destiny, those are the things that obviously stuck in your head and resonated. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going back to working together, you talked about the shorthand. That's important. I, I have to imagine you have to go into it with a strong relationship to begin with, right? Yeah. If, if you're not friends with your spouse, don't even bother. Mm-hmm. If you argue over stupid, silly little things at home, don't even bother. If you <laughs> sounds like, like oh, you, you yeah, might be Joe, a redneck. Yeah, you might be a redneck. <laughs> yeah. um, if you are considering going to a marriage counselor or going for some sort of marriage coaching right now before you step into this, don't step into it. Don't even bother. It's got to be a strong relationship. It's got to be a great relationship. It has to be a relationship where you seriously enjoy every moment together. If you're, and that's not to say that, you know, Barry doesn't have guys night out. I don't have girls night out. But if you're looking forward to those with like, you know, like an incredible longing, you may not want to be in business together. (laughs) Yeah. You you certainly are not going, the business is not going to fix your relationship problems. It's only going to exacerbate and amplify them. Uh, you, there has to be respect for each other. You have to enjoy spending time with each other. Any other kind of characteristics to stand out that, that are key requirements to make it work? You've got to learn to compromise. I mean, you know, they say, oh, when you're in marriage, you got to learn to compromise. This is even more so. You really have to learn to compromise. And at the same time, you really have to learn how to stand your ground, which, you know, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but it's not. You You need to know when something is not your strong suit and you have to defer to the other person and you compromise, you have to know truly and absolutely what is your strong suit and stand your ground on it. Because if that is, if that is what you do, if anything technical comes up, I bow down to Barry. I won't even start to say it should be done my way. I will ask questions. I will offer suggestions. I will explain it in, you know, human speak versus geek speak to him and say, but I don't understand this and I think it should be done this way, but I must always defer to him for something technical because that's his strong suit. If he ever, you know, stepped aside and said, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll just give in to you. That's wrong. And so you need to, you need to compromise and you need to stand firm at the same time. Wonderful insights. So then comes this podcast that you launched, uh, I believe it was last year. Is that yep. right? The podcast yep. uh, together 24 seven. What brought you to the whole world of podcasting? It's a fun story. And let <laughs> me tell you about it. <laughs> Please do. Well, we, people have said to us for years, for years, oh, you guys need your own show. And we just blow them off. So, you know, that's crazy. You know, people are going to follow us around the house with cameras and my, no, I'm not a Kardashian. You know, my, <laughs> my butt's not that big. So I, we, it was like just ridiculous. You know, it's just something that people say in passing and you just let it slide off. But then somebody came to us, somebody that we network with and said, have you guys ever heard of podcasting? Like, well, I've heard of it. I don't know much about it, but I've heard of it. You guys be really good at it. Cause you're really entertaining. Uh, and you just need, you need a show. Wow. Oh, well, you know what? Let's look into it because this didn't sound as silly as cameras following me around. Right. So, you know, I researched it, found out this crazy subculture of podcasting on uh, this whole new world that we stepped into. Uh, and I realized, you know what? We can do this. Now we just need to 
figure out what we want to talk about. It's great. We could do a podcast. What do you want to do it on? What's the subject matter? And, you know, one person said to us, oh, you could do a show about New Yorkers outside of New York. No, we're actually we're we left New York 20 years ago. (laughs) No, that doesn't work. And, you know, and it took us some time to think about it. You know, uh, it was probably a couple of weeks till we actually came up with the topic and we realized, well, why don't we do what we're good at? And that's talking about couples in business together. And that and it just blossomed from there. Fantastic. It's a, it's a great show. And so how do you balance now the work that it takes to produce a podcast with your other business? Well, you know, it, it doesn't take that much time to do the podcast. I don't do a lot of editing in it. So it's, it's just a free form show. I'm going to assume it's basically how you do yours, you know, free form show. And what we talk about is what gets put onto the, onto the, uh, onto iTunes. I'm so, I was going to say on the air. Wow. Come on. <laughs> so, the editing involves putting in an intro and outro a commercial here and there and getting rid of like, if we have issues with Skype, getting rid of the issues that show up there. So it probably takes a total of about an hour and a half total editing time per show per show. And then the actual show is about 45 minutes. So it's not that bad. Excellent. How often are you releasing a new episode? We are doing two episodes a week. One episode is an interview and that comes out on Mondays and one episode is us giving business tips and advice not specific to couples in business, and that comes out on Thursdays. And that's a little shorter of a show. That's about 15 to 20 minutes. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, here's a question for either or both of you. What, what would you say has been one of the keys to your success in small business? Persistence. Networking. Persistence. <laughs> <laughs> Persistence and networking. Were you good at networking uh, always, Catherine, or did you have to get better at that? I got better at it over time. I've always, I've always liked meeting people. I've always been social. I've, you know, I like building relationships, having friends, and that's a lot about what business is about. They're not, you know, they're not specifically your friends, but they're certainly people that you want to build a relationship with that you want to know that you can count on them in a business sense looking for, you know, I'm looking for a good vendor. I'm looking for this type of customer. I'm looking for, you know, whatever it is, you, just like, you know, when, when you have your friends go, Hey, come over, I'm having beer and pizza. And by the way, we're moving, you, you know, you need that same relationship with other businesses. Who do you know? You know, that's, that's the main question. So I've always enjoyed networking. And Barry, on the topic of persistence, how do you judge for yourself when it becomes now a stubbornness and you hit that wall? When, when do you know it's time to pivot and let go of something? Uh, when Catherine smacks me in the back. Of the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, seriously, though, I, I think just in my own brain, I just say, you know what? I, I either have to step away and come back and look at it you know, at a later time to see if it'll work or... If I know it's not going to work, okay, let's just take another route and try something new. So tell me more about Fifth Tower Solutions and what you all are offering your clients. We do coaching and, you know, business coaching. We want to work with people, either couples or singles who are just starting out in business or in that, you know, under three year mark where things are getting stuck. Things may have to pivot and you don't realize that, you know, as you, as you know, the longer we go on in business, um, the more 
easy it is for us to see when something doesn't work. And in the beginning, it's really hard to see when something doesn't work because we're so invested in it. We're emotionally and physically and, you know, and monetarily invested in this. And so that's, that's who we're working with. So we, uh, we do some coaching, we can set up plans. In, in the case of couples, who's doing what? How are you guys going to check in with each other? How are you not going to step on toes? How are you going to make this work and continue the relationship with, with business partners or just entrepreneurs? Some similar things, who does what, and a lot of planning. We also, uh, you know, learned a lot in doing the podcast. Uh, been doing it for a year, made a lot of mistakes, learned from those mistakes, and we've condensed it into an online class. We've condensed it into um, one-to-one coaching and into a live webinar, and, and the first one of those is going to launch in in September. And these are, you know, these are the things that we do. Everything to help a business. Taking the podcast not as a, not as a business in and of itself, but as a business tool, and using other business tools as well. And we also we took our knowledge in the barter industry, and we created an online course how to start a barter exchange. You know, we like to take what we know, what we learn, what we're good at and get our knowledge out there and help other people with that as well. Yeah, you've been building and building on these on these different business ideas and, and then now offering that service. That's fantastic. Um, question for you, is there a book or a resource that you've read recently that you would recommend to our listeners? There's so many books, you know, I've read The Science of Getting Rich. We've read Napoleon Hill. We've read, you know, all kinds of things. The one book... I suggest everyone keep in their desk drawer and pull it out when the bleep hits the fan and when you're just going absolutely crazy is Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You Can Go. And why why is that, Catherine? I just gave that, as a lot of people do, to my daughter as she was graduating. But what is it about it that uh, you think is so uh, compelling on on an ongoing basis? Because we all get stuck in the waiting room. And... You know, when everything is getting overwhelmed, you know, into overwhelmment and you're just going nuts, you're in the waiting room. You're you're about to step over the threshold and you're just waiting for something and you need to move. And so in a fun, happy way, it says you need to move forward. You need to do something instead of nothing. And there are so many things that you could do. And just reading that book gets the juices flowing because it's, it's fun and it's light and, and, ah, you know, it gives you that, that nice sigh, that deep breath and you go, okay, I can't be here. I can't be waiting. I need to do something. I could do anything I want to do. And that's when you get, and that's when the ideas come, the crazy ideas, the insane ideas, the impossible ideas, and then the gold idea, that one idea that will propel you forward and make you rich. Yeah, that's wonderful. Folks, uh, thank you for spending this time with us, Barry, Catherine, full of knowledge, a lot of experience. I wish we had even more time to chat. Thanks for taking this time with us. Any last parting thoughts or piece of advice to our audience who are typically either people who are looking to make that transition into starting their own business or have a, a business that they're looking to grow? Any last thoughts? The most important thing that you could do in your business is to have fun. If you don't have fun, you're going to be miserable. If you're miserable, everyone around you is miserable, especially your spouse. You don't want your spouse miserable, so just have fun. 
couldn't agree with you more. And this has been fun. The tone has been fun. And I, I agree with you completely, Barry. That's, I got to a certain point in my business career where I, I always say that I have this I'm good fortune to be in control to a big extent of what I do. And if it's not fun, it's time to stop and say, what the heck am I doing? Right. And then that's, that's the way I look at it as well. So thank you so much. Last question is where can folks go online to find out more about you and about fifth tower solutions? You can go to www.fifth, the whole word spelled out tower solutions.com. Don't go too soon. We are, we are putting the website together, but fifth tower solutions.com at the very least, we're going to, you know, you, you can find our phone number on there and contact information. So if you pick up the phone and call us, we will in fact, uh, answer it. And you can find our show at together 24 net. And it's a fun show. And, of course, it's on iTunes yes. and other platforms as well, I suspect. iTunes and Google Play, because we're Google kind of people. <laughs> Got it. So, so I meant to ask this name, Fifth Tower. Where did that come from? Do you have two minutes for the story? Yeah, I'd love to hear Terrific. It. Well, Catherine's entire family, her entire gene pool, <laughs> come to this, this tiny little town in southern Italy called Cinque Fronde. We've, I've been there several times. Catherine spent her whole life summers there. Uh, and it's just the coolest little tiny town, 5,000 people. So I wanted, when we were coming up trying to figure out a name for the company, I wanted to honor her family somehow. Uh, and I said, what does Cinque Fronde translate to? That's the name of the town, Cinque Fronde. And it was five. It's five fronts. And, and it, it, it referred because it's a um, it's a medieval town and uh, five fronts or or the uh, the wall fronts uh, there were five towers over overlooking the town there were five towers overlooking the town and protecting the town so five fronts or five towers Cinque Fronde and that's where Fifth Tower Solutions comes from. That's a wonderful story. Thanks for sharing that, and thanks again for being with us today. It was our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. You'll find uh, links to everything that was referenced, the book recommendations and links to uh, Fifth Tower, where to find them, where to find the podcast. All of those things will be on our show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you to subscribe to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.